0: Benedict, chapter the 69th, that no one presume to defend another. monasterio non presumat ali alter defendere. That no one presume to defend another in a monastery. Care must be taken that on no occasion one monk presumed to defend another or to take his part, even although they be connected by some near tie of kinship. Let not the monks dare to this in any way whatsoever, because therefrom may arise the most grievous occasion of scandals. If anyone transgress this rule, let him be very severely punished. But thou, Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father Saint Benedict would defend above all else the unity of the monastic family. We begin today a, a series of four chapters on fraternal life. So, chapter 69, chapter 70, chapter 71. And chapter 72 all relate to our life together. With the Apostle, St. Benedict would say to us, Here then is one who wears chains in the Lord's service, pleading with you to live as befits men called to such a vocation as yours. You must be always humble, always gentle, Patient, too in bearing with one another's faults as charity bids eager to preserve that unity the spirit gives you whose bond is peace the words of those of St. Paul but the sentiments the doctrine is that of our Father St. Benedict you must be always humble always gentle patient, too, and bearing with one another's faults as charity bids, eager to preserve that unity the Spirit gives you, whose bond is peace. Ephesians 4, 1-3 The devil seeks, by every means, to destroy the unity of the monastic family. The devil is the enemy of all family life. Why is that? even of uh, the family founded on uh, Holy Matrimony, especially the family founded on Holy Matrimony, because such a family is an image of the Most Holy Trinity. And so the the devil seeks to deface and destroy every image of uh, Holy Communio, that is a reflection of and a participation in the charity of the three divine persons. And so the devil is always at work uh, seeking by every means to destroy the unity of the monastic family, by setting brother against brother, by fomenting unhealthy attachments, and especially by suggesting that one is the object of injustice, persecution, and disaffection. Even in a community of men, the emotional component of interpersonal relationships can become messy. Uh, this is certainly the case in communities of women. The emotional component can be very messy indeed, but we mustn't think that we men uh, are somehow preserved from this emotional messiness. It also occurs in communities of men. This is the case, notably when one brother begins to think, ah yes, Father Pryor is unreasonably critical of Brother Philadelphus. It is clear that Father Pryor neither likes nor appreciates Brother Philadelphus. I must defend Brother Philadelphus against Father Pryor's corrections and injustices out works. Or again, one brother may think, it is clear that Father Pryor favors Brother Willibald over Brother Samson. He gives to one the permissions that he withholds from the other. He is too indulgent with Brother Willibald and too strict with Brother Samson. I shall set things right by taking poor Samson's side. Such thinking foments divisions Intrigue, resentment, and disobedience. The Apostle says, Yes, brethren, freedom claimed you when you were called. Only, do not let this freedom give a foothold to corrupt nature. You must be servants still, serving one another in a spirit of charity. The higher a man rises in the hierarchy of the monastic family, the lower must he descend into servanthood. After all, says the Apostle, the whole of the law is summed up in one phrase, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. If you are always backbiting and worrying each other, it is to be feared You will wear each other out in the end. Let me say this, learn to live and move in the spirit, then there is no danger of your giving way to the impulses of corrupt nature. In St. Benedict's day, as in certain cultures today, loyalty to one's extended family, tribe, clan, or place of origin, uh, constituted a powerful force in society. St. Benedict makes it clear in this chapter that a man leaves all such attachments behind when he enters the monastery. This is one of the big challenges of monasteries in certain parts of Africa where tribal loyalty is a huge threat to the unity of the monastic family. There are monasteries that had to be suppressed because of uh, tribal uh, rivalries and um, uh, tribal enmities within the monastic family. So, uh, we mustn't think, however, that this is is only a problem to be found in Africa. It's found in other ways, uh, in every culture. So, we leave behind all rivalries and enmities linked to our place of origin when we come to the monastery. The novice must learn to live a challenging and sometimes bewildering configuration of relationships in his new monastic family. In chapter 72, St. Benedict will say, Let them most patiently endure one another's infirmities, whether of body or of mind. As new men arrive from various backgrounds and cultures, even the professed monk must constantly adapt to the ever changing composition of his growing monastic family, seeing in each new brother one sent by Christ. In the same chapter 72, our holy patriarch will add let them cherish fraternal charity with chaste love, fear God, love their abbot with sincere and humble affection and prefer nothing whatever to Christ. The choir, the refectory, and recreation are three places in which one may be tempted against charity. This is remarkable because these are precisely the three venues in our life in which we are called to charity in unity in the most visible or striking way, one must learn to unmask the hateful suggestions of the devil and to combat every poisonous thought against charity, especially, I repeat, in the choir, the refectory, and recreation. This spiritual combat is the cost, or I should like to say the price, of our unity. I shall never tire of repeating to you that charity makes for unity, and unity is what makes a monastery fruitful. The tragic sterility of so many monasteries can, in nearly every instance, be traced back to a breakdown in fraternal charity. Thus does St. John say, This, then, is how God's children and the devil's children are known. apart. A man cannot trace his origin from God if he does not live right, if he does not love his brethren. To love one another, that, from the first, was the charge given to you. 1 John 3, 10 and 11. To love one another, that, from the first, was the charge given to you. The source of charity then. Charity, unity, fruitfulness. The source of charity. The source of all virtue. uh, Is found in prayer. The monk. Who withdraws. From the beautiful struggle. As the fathers call it. The beautiful struggle of prayer. Will soon find himself. Without the supernatural resources. Grace. That fraternal charity requires. To this end, uh, that is to help each of you in the beautiful struggle of prayer, I'm giving you a copy of St. Alphonsus' magnificent little treatise on prayer. I asked Father Subprior to order some copies for us. I don't know if you've read this little. It's, it's a compendium of patristic teaching, really, on prayer. It's a marvelous little book. And uh, because uh, of the principle charity, unity, fruitfulness, uh, charity, source of charity, is found in prayer. The monk who stops praying, or who prays uh, not as he ought, or whose prayer is retarded as Father Gariguil Lagrange speaks of retarded souls in the life of prayer—that souls who are held back somehow in the life of prayer—and uh, Father Gariguil Lagrange very uh, clearly explains what happens when a soul is retarded in prayer. Well, then um, there is a, 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 a closing; the soul is closed increasingly to grace. Where there is no grace, uh, charity cannot uh, be lived. And where charity is not lived, there will not be unity. And when there is not unity, there will be sterility. So we have to kind of go backwards. Fruitfulness, unity, charity, to prayer. And uh, I, I have long um, uh, marveled at this little work of St. Alphonsus. And some people kind of sniff condescendingly. Whenever you suggest they should read St. Alphonsus, they think, oh, you know, this, this 18th century Neapolitan, what can he possibly have to say to us? Um, of course, that's, that's a very offensive and insidious form of intellectual pride to sniff condescendingly the doctor of the church. So we don't do that. Um, so this. This uh, little book, I mean, it's a copy for each one of you. Father, would you you just Mm -hmm. read this? So I would ask each of you, um, without delay, to um, read this little book. And the reason I I procured a copy for each brother is so that you can take a pencil and mark it up. And uh, let it be a a book that will accompany you through life uh, for the beautiful struggle. Because um, the devil tries by every means to get a monk to stop praying. If the devil can get a monk to stop praying, then he can, he can begin to wreak havoc in the, in the monk's life and in the life of the community. Uh, because, as I said, prayer obtains grace, grace opens the soul to charity, charity makes community, Unity so makes a monastery fruitful. So, um, I ask you without delay then, uh, today is Sunday, you have more time for reading, uh, read this little book, pencil in hand. And you uh, can write your, 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 your name in front of it so that it, it's your own little copy to your personal use. Um, uh, and uh, I think you'll find it very, very helpful. I know that I have. Uh, there was a point in my life when I was. Um, Engaged in the, the beautiful struggle of prayer, and this book, in a very uh, dramatic way, uh, and this book uh, by Saint Alphonsus came to my help, and I considered it providential that I uh, I, I discovered it. So I, I invite you to read it, uh, because there's not one man here who will escape the beautiful struggle of prayer may not come at the beginning, but it will come at some point in your monastic life.